You know, last weekend uh, was one of the few times that I got out of the house uh, in, in public, really. To, uh, I've been to hunkered down to, in my home. Uh, I uh, officiated a funeral. Then before I left home, uh, Elliot uh, gave me some wise instruction. He gave me a mask. He gave me some gloves. And then he asked me to get a change of clothes and to put it in my car. And, and after the funeral, uh, when I get home, to, he wants, she wants me to, to, to get change in the garage and, and leave the suit in the car. And, and when I walk in the house, he, she insisted that I don't touch her. Matter of fact, I shouldn't touch anything. And I, I should go directly to the shower. Well, you know, I didn't totally agree with all that she wanted to do, but, but I complied because it was some wise instruction. And during this past month, we've been studying Proverbs, and it's a book of wisdom. Solomon, the author, uh, has contrasted the wise with the fool. And if we're to live fulfilled lives, we need to be prudent to follow the wise man and not to follow the foolish man. In our passage this morning, we'll cover the first four verses of Proverbs chapter 15. See here, Solomon contrasts how the wise man uses his tongue versus how a foolish man uses his tongue. Our tongue can be used to bless others or it can be used to curse others. As we're in a pandemic here, probably drives all of us up the walls because we're stuck at home. And we might have cabin fever. You know, living by ourselves, we might feel lonely. And we're just dying to have some connection with other people. And because we're cooped up at home all the time, it is common for us to be impatient and at times be misunderstood, which will create discord and tension. And anger could flare up. It's not a matter if it's going to happen, but it's a matter when it's going to happen. And when that happens, what are we going to do? How do we go about responding? And it's during these trying times that we find out who we really are, our real self inside. Unfortunately, many times we tend to react negatively or natural impulse led by our sin nature goes to work. And unfortunately, we allow our emotion to take over and it leads to a bad place. Can't we control our tongue? Or do we allow our tongue to control us? 
if we choose the latter, it will lead us to a bad place. From our passage this morning, we'll look at the words of wise men. These are the words that God wants to hear. There are three characteristics that stands out. See, God wants to hear soft words that comes. He wants to hear sage words or wise words that makes knowledge appealing. And he wants to hear sweet words that heals. So let us take a look at the uh, first characteristics as we turn to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. Soft words that comes. Verse 1, it says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Well, what do we say when we're approached by an angry person and he says some angry words at us? We probably instinctively would defend ourselves by reacting with harsh words. Our natural response is to let our emotion to take over by seeking retaliation, which only escalate the matter. Now in this verse, Solomon gives the right response in contrast to the wrong response. Solomon advises us to use gentle answer to handle angry person. See, the word gentle literally means soft. You might not, want, you might not know why the person might be angry, but how we respond to him is most critical. See, a wise person will use soft answer or gentle answer. Now, this does not mean it implies weakness. You see, in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 15, the latter part of verse 15, it says, A gentle tongue can break a bone. Well, bone is one of the most rigid part of our body. It says that soft and gentle words can break down hardened spirit of individuals. It takes much self-control and maturity for one to speak soft and give gentle words in a heated situation. Gentle words deflect anger and calms the situation down. In Proverbs 15, verse 18, it says, that A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. See, gentle words often disarm most ill-tempered people. Well, that is easy said than done. See, when someone mistreats us or judges us unfairly, we tend to be tempted to let our sin nature take over. 
for a short period of time, we might feel good when we give a piece of our mind to the other person. If we just embarrass them or humiliate him, we feel like we have succeeded. Well, again, it might make us feel good for a moment, but it only compounds the situation. And we see this in the latter part of verse 1. It says, a harsh word stirs up anger. I'm sure we've all been there and done that. It's a terrible way of reacting. It's like getting into the mud and slinging mud with the other person. And when we use harsh words to respond to wrath, it only adds more fuel in the fire. And when we get emotional, we say things before we even think through it. We react out of anger. And many times we regret what we have just said. Now notice that final phrase again. Notice the article in this verse. It says, a harsh word stirs up anger. A harsh word is singular and stresses how dangerous even one word can be. It can stick in our mind and in our heart for a long, long time. And relationship can be broken. And it will, be, it will take a long time to restore that relationship. There was this family with a couple of kids. And one of the child got really upset because she was not getting her ways, and, and she confronted her parents, making various demands because she feels that she deserves it. Well, the parents did not appreciate the tone nor the disrespectful attitude. Instead of listening to each other, they got into a shouting match, anger flare as they attack each other with nasty, degrading name-calling. Both sides were deeply hurt with those piercing verbal darts. Afterward, both sides regretted what has taken place. Unfortunately, they could not take back what they have said. He has already done terrible damage. Well, we have a choice. We can use words that turn away wrath, or we can use words that will stir up wrath. Therefore, it is wise to use gentle words instead of harsh words. Let us use soft words that calms. An angry person wants to fight, but if the other person does not want to fight back, it is no fun fighting alone. After a little while, he runs out of steam. Let us give the angry person a benefit of doubt. 
that he might have had a bad day or he might have been misunderstood and, and he's aroused his emotions. And let us not jump to conclusion and judge him. Well, God has, God wants to hear not only soft words that comes, but he wants to hear sage words or wise words that makes knowledge appealing. And we see this recorded in verse 2. It says, The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. Actually, the literal translation here can be translated, The tongue of the wise make knowledge attractive, but the mouth of the fool a blushes out foolishness. See, this, this verse compares the speech of a wise person and the speech of a foolish person. See, a sage or a wise man takes seriously knowledge. You see, before we speak, we want to get all the facts, all the knowledge that we need to know. And too often we jump the gun and we spilling out from our mouth without thinking. This is what a fool does. The mouth of a fool gushes folly. You know, when this word gushes kind of gives me a picture of a fire hydrant. I visualize water bursting out rapidly with great force, uncontrollably. A fool unleashes his words without filtering it. He's not thinking before speaking. He speaks foolishly, disregarding time, place, or circumstances. The fool probably does not have all the information, all the knowledge, but is spouting out all kinds of negative conclusions. Abraham and Lincoln once said, better is to remain silent and be thought as a fool than to speak out and remove all doubts. <laughs> That's so true. An example of a foo is Job's three friends. See, Job has lost everything. And these three friends came to sit with him, to empathize all the suffering that he was going through. But however, when they started speaking, is like mouth, the mouth gushes out. Foolish follies. They make accusations toward Job. And they hotly defended themselves without knowing all the facts. They didn't have the proper knowledge. You see, when a fool hears some rumors, he becomes critical right away, shooting bullets at the accused. See, fools cherish gossips. When he hears something, in no time, <laughs> that 
gossip, that rumor spreads all over the place. Now, let us be wise. You know, when we hear of someone spreading some rumor, may we ask that person, you know, were you there? Were you an eyewitness to what you're saying? Or did you talk to this person personally about what you're saying? Now, if he did not walk away, because all he's doing is spreading rumors. He does not have first-hand information. Matter of fact, tell that person to stop gossiping. When we speak, it is imperative that we want knowledge and all the information. We must be accurate. The wise not only has knowledge and all the facts, but he use, but but also their use of it makes it appealing and attractive. Put knowledge to a right use. See what kind of knowledge do we need before we speak? It is critical that we have good knowledge of Scripture which provide godly guidance to what we have to say. And a good verse that sort of tied these two verses together can be found in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27. And it says, A man of knowledge uses words with restraint, and a man of understanding is even tempered. It says, a, a person with knowledge and understanding is cautious with what he's saying. He takes into consideration all the information carefully before he speaks. He's even tempered, which literally means cool in spirit. He does not allow his emotions to take over the situation. Now, the reason why our words need to be accurate is because we will be held accountable. And we see this in verse 3. Let me read that to you. It says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. See, God wants to hear soft words that comes. He also wants to hear sage words or wise words that make knowledge appealing. And we do this because we are all accountable to God. See, God makes it very clear here in verse 3 that he's omnipresent. What, what that means is that God is present everywhere all at the same time. God sees all that we're doing, and he's hearing all that we are saying. God not only sees all, and not only that he judges fairly, but he understands our motive, our purpose. He knows what's going on in our hearts. Now, we can hide those motives from others, but yet we cannot hide it from God because 
he knows what is in our hearts. Various times when I'm flying on the airplane, I like to engage in a conversation with the passenger next to me. Various times I might be having a wonderful conversation until they ask me what I do. And when I tell them that I am a pastor, I notice our conversation changes. I could tell that that person become much more conscious of what he is saying to me. You see, God is there by our side all the time. And there's a lot of benefit to that. We see we could find security knowing that we're never alone because God is there by our side all the time. And we could go to him at any time, at any place for help, and he is there. Yet on the other hand, because we know that God is there all the time, that he is present, we really cannot hide from God because he is there. He knows what's going on. He knows what's in our hearts. People cannot talk behind God's back because he's there. And one day in the future, we will all stand before God where he will, give, where he will give an account of all of our words. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, it says, But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. God makes it very clear here in verse 3 that he is keeping watch and he will hold us accountable whether we know it or not. If we know that God is sitting right there next to us, how would we speak differently? Well, he is right there next to us. He not only keeps watch of the wicked, it says here, but also the good. See, when we stand for what is right, and sometimes when we do that, we get judged negatively or treated unfairly. God is watching. God does not miss any good works that we have done or good words that we have spoken. He will remember the good that we have done and spoken. There was a person that I was talking recently that he got laid off because he was not willing to lie for his boss. This person is a man of integrity and he uphold to strong principle. Now, although he was laid off, I encourage him that God is watching over him, that God's fear and he's a just God and he'll commend us for upholding truth. Now, because God is present all the time, wicked people 
should be worn. Also, good people may be comforted by God's presence. Uh, from this passage, we come to learn what God wants to hear from us. There's three characteristics. God wants to hear soft word that comes, sage word that makes knowledge appealing, and thirdly, sweet word that heals. And we see this third characteristic recorded in verse 4. And it says, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. See, God wants to hear sweet words. In verse 4 here, it speaks of a tongue that brings healing. It is described as a tree of life. Wind. What, what are sweet words that heal? See, healing tongue must bring life to others and provides comfort to others. It focuses on others instead of focusing on ourselves. Again, we see in verse 4 here another contrast with the sweet word that hues with deceitful tongue that crushes the spirit. See, lying tongue can do great harm when your spirit is crushed by this deceitful tongue, one would feel worthless, defeated, emotionally drained. There might be a sense of hopelessness. See, our tongue could bless others or it could curse others. It can heal or it can harm. Words can truly destroy relationships. See, a wound from a tongue can inflict deeper pain and harder to heal than a wound from a sore. See, harsh and bitter words, as well as mean and untrue words, can hurt a person deep, deep down in his soul. May we practice sweet words that heal. See, healing words like a, a lotion that soothes a burn, like, oh, that feels so good. Sweet words that heal in, includes encouragement, affirmation, appreciation, supportive words, comfort, thanksgiving that are sincere and genuine. May we learn to compliment others and particularly compliment them publicly. Write them a personal note of appreciation. Send them an email of congratulations. It is going to be like water to a thirsty soul. May we be like tree of life. This reminds me of a verse 
in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. And it says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Uh, during uh, this past month that I've been at home, I made a point uh, to try to call as many of the members as I can. And it's been, uh, I've had some amazing conversations with um, various members. I've been greatly encouraged by members that made a commitment to do outreach and, and, and building relationship with their neighbors. I've been encouraged by another who, who had just memorized First uh, Timothy. And after our nice conversation, I would ask them if there's something that I could pray for them. And many share honestly of their needs. And I would pray for them. And, and I would be taken back when a number of them would ask me how, how they could pray for me. And I would uh, share my burdens with them, share my concerns with them. And, and my heart is really touched when they pour their hearts out praying for me. Those were sweet words that heal and it comforts and encourages me. And I challenge you to exercise and practice sweet words that heal every day. Encourage someone every day. May you be a tree of life. You see, we all go through troubled time and we get discouraged and Dejected. We all need sweet words that heal at the right time. These sweet words that heal can be described as a tree of life. It provides refreshment, renewal, and strength. Now, in conclusion, Knowing all of this instruction sounds good. Now, knowing what to do with our tongue is one thing, but doing it is another thing. Now, we cannot carry out these instructions regularly by our own strength. We really need the Lord to work in and through us. We need to see the bigger picture here in the book of Proverbs. See, the, the theme here in the book of Proverbs is that we're to fear God. That's the beginning of wisdom. See, wisdom is applying the instructions or the knowledge that God's given to us in the world. We've just gone through that. We can have knowledge and instruction, but if we don't practice it, we don't do anything about it, it is totally useless. That's the issue with many Christians. 
we know too much and do too little and wonder why we're not experiencing abundant life. See, abundant life is conditional. It's based upon obedience to God's word. See, we rob ourselves of the fullness of God because we do not take God seriously. We do not take God's word wholeheartedly. In order for us to practice wisdom, we need to fear God. God wants us to seek Him and to follow Him. We are motivated to follow and obey God if we have a proper view of God. See, God, as we learn from this passage, He is all present. We can find security in Him and we can't hide from Him. Not only that, but He, he is all powerful. There's nothing that He cannot do. He's all knowing. He understands what's going on in our hearts. And because of who God is, we should respond in fear. What I mean by fear, that, that we were to be at all the God, like, whoa, God, you're an awesome God. But yet, at the same time, we're to be scared of God. And because we revere God, we want to embrace God and we want to obey God. And because we're scared of God, we do not want to embrace sin. We need to seek and embrace God and hate sin. And the only way we're going to do that is if we were to come close to God. So knowing God intimately will motivate us to embrace His wisdom, which can give us abundant life. See, it is all intertwined together. See, when we lower our view of God, we lose our sense of accountability to Him. This makes us easier to excuse all sort of evil. And we sin more easily when we think less of God. Rather than seeking to know and please God, Many of us become content to fit comfortably within our Christian subculture. As a result, we miss out on the abundant life that God promised that we can have. And I just plead with you, draw close to God. May we understand that we have a wonderful, loving but also a holy God. When we have a high view of God, then we will be motivated to fear God. Fearing God is the beginning of wisdom, which is applying the godly knowledge that God has given to us in his word. Now today, we talked about our tongue. We need to be careful how we use our tongue because God is watching 
and he's holding us accountable for both the bad things that we might say as well as the good things that comes out of our mouth. Therefore, use soft words that come and sage words that make knowledge appealing. And may we also use sweet words that heal. Let's bow for prayer. God, um, that little tongue of ours is, a, is very powerful. You can bless or you can curse. And it's difficult to control. We've given some instructions from Proverbs today of how we ought to use our tongue as a wise man. But honestly speaking, it's very difficult to do. And that's why we need you, Lord. You need to help us to change our attitude inside out that we will follow you. And experience really fullness of life, Lord. Father, um, may we have a high view of who you really are. For it will really motivate us to want to embrace you and follow you and to be obedient to you and to practice that which you have given to us, Lord. And as a result, we will truly enjoy one life. We truly learned how to control our tongue and, and as a result, we can have wonderful relationships instead of broken relationships, Lord. Help us to you to you. In Jesus' name, amen.